This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 343 Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This is a very important episode. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm so glad that you are tuned in. Please make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Play, wherever you are listening to this podcast, because we are going to have much, much, much more on this topic and many other topics that are relevant and important to American soccer. So please make sure you're subscribed so that way you do not miss an episode. Let's get into the topic for today. We are going to talk about the closure of the Development Academy. Let me tell you about the genesis of this episode. The rumors about the closing of the Development Academy had been swirling for quite a while. One of our members, one of our 343 coaching members, actually posted some questions in our members-only forum. And as I started to respond to his questions, I also started to receive news that the rumors of the Development Academy shutting down were actually becoming true. So... I decided to turn my response into this podcast episode, and that is what you are about to hear. But because this is breaking news, I'm going to do my best to touch on everything that is involved and everything that is related to this topic, but to capture everything will likely require multiple podcast episodes. And before I forget to mention it, I would love for others to chime in and provide their thoughts on this topic especially coaches, and especially parents. So please find me on Twitter. You can find me at that Croatian guy, or you can go to 343coaching.com and you can find this episode and you can leave some thoughts in the comment section. Whatever's easiest for you, I don't care how you do it, but I would love to hear from you. Okay, let's keep moving forward and get into the nitty gritty of this topic. I'll share with you Scott's questions. Scott's first question Do you think the U.S. is going to get rid of the DA? My answer to that was this. Yes, from what I know, it's a done deal. But to clarify, it's USSF that will be doing this, not U.S. It's a small but important detail. Scott also asked, what should they replace it with? My response to that question was, what I think they should replace it with and what will probably replace it are two completely different things. I'll elaborate on both of those later or maybe in a separate podcast. But what I want to do is start by saying this. This is not speculation. This has already happened. Now it's all about how we disseminate the information that is going to start flowing. This is going to be an amazing opportunity to see precisely how decisions that are made in the boardroom directly impact our living rooms. Our families, our players, our coaches, our livelihoods are going to be impacted by these decisions of the bean counters and the suits at USSF. A lot of families, a lot of coaches, and a lot of clubs are going to feel this. The total destruction of the DA is rightfully being framed as a doomsday scenario by a lot of people, because to a certain extent, it really is a disaster. 
But if I'm being honest, it isn't all bad news. Because believe it or not, there will still be a light at the end of the tunnel, even if USSF exterminates the DA. Some players, some coaches, and some clubs might even benefit from this happening. Now, I want to address Scott's first question directly. Did I think that this would happen? Yes. For quite some time, there have been rumors that the changes to the DA were in the works. There were complaints that the competition between MLS teams and the -the run-of-the-mill youth clubs just wasn't good enough. Certain teams were perennial losers. Certain teams were actually getting slaughtered on a weekly basis. Not to mention the travel costs that were frequently cited as a big issue. Pay-to-play versus fully funded academies became a bigger and bigger talking point. We could go on and on about what the teams were complaining about. But even with all the complaints it still appeared the DA was going to carry on and it would just be business as usual. Now that's an outsider looking in perspective. Then out of nowhere, a big change actually happened. Without warning, plans for a tiered DA system were not only unveiled, but they were executed. And in essence, all MLS teams plus a few other non-MLS teams were placed or promoted into the top tier of this new DA. And all other teams, which happened to be the overwhelming majority of teams, were placed or relegated into the second tier. Now, before I go any further, I need to make a quick disclaimer. I have no clue how this played out on the girl side of the DA. I need to do my research on that. And if anyone has insight, I would love for you to share it with me. You can find me at that Croatian guy on Twitter, or you can go to 343coaching.com and provide links or any information in the comment section for this episode. But wow, a two-tiered system. In theory, it sounds great. One tier with stronger teams and one tier with inferior teams. The problem with this is, well, there are a lot of problems. I'll cite two of them. Problem number one, it was executed by arbitrarily separating the teams. Nothing was merit-based. All MLS teams ended up in tier one, even though tier two teams finished higher than them in league play. Sounds strange, right? I agree. Point number two, once separated into tiers, there was no mechanism in place for movement. If your club was unlucky and banished to the second tier, That was it. And if you were lucky and you were put in the first tier, awesome. Good for you. You were there to stay. Now, a lot of people seem to be shocked by this move. Personally, I wasn't. I'm not going to lie and say I knew this was happening, but I could definitely see the writing on the wall. In my opinion, there has been a coordinated consolidation of power between USSF and MLS, and that has seemed to be ongoing and has been a very well-executed operation for years. This tiered system appeared to be just another step in that direction. And I think that it's naive for anyone to think that the youth game is exempt from being used as a pawn by those attempting to gain total control over soccer in this country. The announcement of a tiered system did shock a lot of people, though. It appears that clubs had no warning about the changes that were happening, and it appears that clubs were not even consulted about any of this 
that was taking place. And they were basically told, this is how it's going to be, take it or leave it. And it left clubs asking questions like, why did my team end up in tier one and not tier two? We beat some of the tier one teams. Who made these decisions? Why weren't we consulted? How and why are you able to do this? And it left other people wondering things like, what does this mean for my kids? And is this good for American soccer? Again, these are all valid questions. This shutdown has actually provided an opportunity to accelerate that consolidation of power by USSF and MLS. Additionally, it's provided a way for it to be done and for everyone to walk away with clean hands. U.S. soccer can shut it down and say it's the best decision for everyone involved, and MLS gets the opportunity to insulate itself further without having to worry about the ramifications of pulling all of its teams out of the prestigious development academy. Now, I'd also imagine that there are legal benefits to shutting it all down in this fashion during this time, but I'm not qualified to speak on that, so I won't. Again, if anybody has insight to that, I would love for you to provide it. What will likely happen from here is this. Former DA clubs will have to find a place to play. There are a number of different gaming circuits that they can join. Most of them are small and local, but bigger clubs and clubs with big aspirations will likely consider national gaming circuits like the ECNL. MLS, on the other hand, will likely form their own league comprised of only their 26 franchises and add in their expansion franchises over time. And some people will look at this as a positive that MLS is doing this. The idea that professional academies will only be playing against each other week in, week out seems like a great idea. I have thoughts on this, and I've already decided instead of trying to provide them here, I am going to provide them in a future episode. But what I will say for now is this. There are only 26 MLS franchises. Let's say the MLS does, which I suspect they will, start their own gaming circuit for their youth academies. And let's say that they start this in a similar fashion as the development academy did with just U18 and U16. So let's do the math. That's 26 teams times 18 players per roster times two age groups, U18 and U16. That equals 936 total players. That's an outrageously small number. To put that in perspective, just 936 total players in a country of 330 million people. If and when that league comes to fruition, more people will be living in my neighborhood than will be in the nationwide MLS Academy system. As I said, this will seem like a disaster or a doomsday scenario to a lot of people. A lot of people are going to be impacted by the decision to shut down the Development Academy. A lot of people are going to be shut out of the MLS pathway. But this isn't the end of the world for players. Keep in mind, Christian Pulisic made it to Europe and became a star at Dortmund and transferred to Chelsea without being at an MLS Academy. In fact, it helped that he wasn't. Others have navigated their way to the professional game as well. There's a number of young players that have made it to MLS and that have made it to Europe 
without having the MLS Academy experience. What I'm trying to say is this. It isn't the end of the road for players that are not on MLS Academy rosters. The closing of the DA is not the end of development in American youth soccer. And in fact, it could be the birth of real player development here in America. To do this topic justice, I need to do more research before I come back here and talk to you about it. So in future episodes, we will talk about what the closing of the Development Academy means for American soccer. We'll also discuss why this is all able to happen and how this ties into the structural problems that we suffer from here in American soccer. If you'd like to spend a little more time reading about these topics, I've linked to several articles on 343coaching.com. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or whatever app you are using to listen. Also, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash 343. You can find videos of Brian Kleiben discussing the youth national team player pool, as well as other gold standard examples of team and player development. And don't forget, you can access our coaching courses by visiting 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time here on the 343 Podcast. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. If you are interested in accelerating your development as a coach and learning more about possession-based soccer, you can visit 343coaching.com and sign up for our premium coaching membership program. That is where you will get access to video, audio, and ebook lessons that will help you reduce your trial and error time by showing you the methods that have been proven to work in the American soccer environment. You can visit 343coaching.com to learn more about our coaching programs. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast, and we will catch you next time.